Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I have with me a very special per- person who has a great personal story uh, that is very motivational and very moving. It is uh, Paul Fortune. How are you, Paul? <laughs> I'm doing well. I thank you for the opportunity to talk with you. I've been looking thank forward you. to it. <laughs> me too. So. Uh, I don't want to give anything away. I want you to talk a little bit about yourself, about your story, and then we'll, uh, we'll get in, into the meat of the conversation. Excellent. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so I don't know if your viewers know, but um, I, I, well, obviously they don't know about me, but I don't know if they know about cerebral palsy. I was born with something called cerebral palsy, and if your viewers don't know what that is, It's lack of oxygen to the brain at labor. And as a result of this lack of oxygen to the brain at labor, it could leave one side of the body paralyzed. And this does not go away. This is permanent. This also could affect your speech. Uh, A lot of seriousness, serious things can happen with cerebral palsy. So when I was born, um, I was not moving the right side of my body very much. And naturally, my mom was very, very concerned about that. So she took me to the doctors to get testing done to see what was going on with me. And after numerous tests, it came back that I indeed had uh, cerebral palsy. And the doctors thought it was so severe at the time that they thought I would never, ever be able to walk. And at a certain age, it was going to be a good idea to get me into a wheelchair because that was going to be my life going forward. Well, thank goodness for a great mom. That was not my story. She took me get other opinions, a second, third, fourth, fifth, found a physician that was willing to help. And that's when my intense journey of physical therapy started. I was doing physical therapy five to six times a a week. And as a result of the hard work by me and and from my tutelage of my physician, I was able to walk at age three. Huge feat in my life, obviously, because the other doctor said I would never, ever be able to walk and I was able to walk. Don't really remember that because I was three years old, but that's what indeed happened. But I do remember being five or six and being put into soccer. And at the time, I could only run about 25 to 50 yards while watching these other kids run laps around the soccer field. And I remember feeling so defeated because I was basically standing there and watching these other kids play soccer. I remember going to my mom and telling her that I didn't want to play soccer anymore I just didn't feel good about it. And I remember what my mom said to me because it stuck with me to this day. She said, Paul, you don't, if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's fine. But we need to honor our commitments. So you need to finish out the soccer season. And after that, if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's your prerogative. And that's, that's what happened. I'm 40 years old now, and I've never played soccer since in my life. Um, <laughs> But I remember the next stage of my life having a big, big, big break. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know how big of a break it was going to be. But no, looking back, it definitely was. I got surgery on my right foot. Tighten up the tendons. Give me a little bit more spring in my step when I ran. I switched schools around this time right after that surgery. And I remember my first day of PE, physical education. And we were doing our stretches. And the teacher says to us, okay, guys, now run, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards and I'm going to have to stop. 
And these kids are going to see this and they're going to start to tease me because that's all I can do. But because of the surgery, it was much different. I remember going past that point where I normally have to stop. And I remember saying to myself in my head going, come on, Paul, you got this, bud. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And I finished that lap with the other kids on the outside. I kept it cool. But in the inside, I was like, yes, 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 yes. The first time in my life where I just fit in, I didn't stand out. I was just one of the other kids. It was such a great feat in my young life. And things because of the surgery did get easier for me, but I wouldn't consider them easy. I switched schools again in middle school, junior high. So I'm around 12 or 13 years old. And that's just a tough age. And these other kids have been going to school with each other for many, many years. They already have their cliques. They already have their groups. They already have their friends. So just breaking in as a new kid alone is a very, very, very tough thing. But I was a new kid where I walk with a limp and I hold my right arm a little bit differently. So I am going to this new school and I'm getting bullied and teased pretty much every single day. They did not accept me. And on top of this, uh, my, I was raised Catholic. So my mom wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. So I had to take an assessment test to see where I was going to be placed academically when, I was, when it was time for me to go to high school. Well, I must have bombed that test. Because when I met with the principal and my mom, the principal tells me and my mom that they're going to put me at the lowest level possible. And I don't expect much from Paul. He does not seem like he's college material. So now... Not only am I bullied and he's in school, now I think I'm stupid because the, the, the principal uh, that I'm going to go to school to doesn't have any faith in me. So I got no positive things going on in my life, which I think at the time. And I'm, most, most days I'm crying myself to sleep going, why me? Why do I have to be different? Why can't I just be one of the other kids? Why do I have to deal with this? And um, this was going on for about a year and a half. And I don't know what came over me, but midway through my eighth grade, right before I got into high school, I was so sick and tired of being angry and sad all the time because those were my go-to emotions because of the environment I was in. But I knew deep down, though, they weren't my go-to emotions. So I thought to myself, what could I do to change this? What could I do to distract me from these feelings? And I thought, well, what if I set a goal for myself and I focused in on the goal and that will help me ignore the noise that was going on in my life. So I thought, okay, what goal should I set for myself? And at that time, I really, really loved baseball. So I started to uh, play fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. My, my whole thing was baseball, 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 baseball. And the beautiful thing about this, I know this now, I didn't know this and when I was in the, in, in the throes of, of, of this was I was sending out a different energy to these kids. I had my shoulders back, my head up. I had more confidence in myself. And as a result of this new energy that I'm sending to, to myself or sending, or excuse me, to the, to the other kids, they were sending a different energy back towards me. In other words, instead of bullying and teasing me, they started rooting for me. And so because of that, my middle school, junior high career was much, much different from my high school career, all because of my energy shift. And that alone, regardless of the goal of making my varsity baseball team, that was a win right there because I had a different experience in high school just because of, of, of how I changed myself. And that was just a beautiful thing. But the cherry on top of it 
was I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and a senior. In my senior year, I was able to pitch a three-hit shutout complete game. And they poured the Gatorade on me, and I felt so alive. I felt so great. And I graduated high school, and I really started to think about that goal that I set for myself of making that varsity baseball team in, in middle school. And I thought, wow, somebody with cerebral palsy making a varsity baseball team. I, when I made that goal, I thought it was near impossible goal to make. But, but I was able to do it. So I thought really hard about what that principal said to me many years earlier about not being college material. See, all through my high school career, I pretty much mailed it in. I just did enough to stay eligible to play baseball because I thought, what's the point? I'm not college material. Why waste time and and doing academics when I'm not going to be doing academics after high school because I'm not college material. So I thought, well, why not be college material? I just, I, I just completed this other goal. Why don't I set another goal for myself and say that I am college material? So I enrolled into a junior college because that was the only college at the time that would accept me because my grades were so poor. I, I, I enrolled there and I got myself a math tutor. I got myself a regular tutor. I went to the math lab. I did everything necessary that I needed to do to increase my grade point average. And I was able to take my grade point average from a barely a 2.0, barely, all the way to 3.5. And as a result of, of increasing my GPA to 3.5, I was able to transfer to a four-year university where I was able to graduate from college. And I so wanted to go back to that principal and say, see, see, you were wrong. I was yeah. college material. But you know what? Looking back, I should thank Miss Madsen for, for saying that to me because that gave me the, the – um, the motivation to really go after my goal hard as I possibly could, because uh, I was just thinking about that, what she said to me over and over again, it was motivating me to really hit it hard. So I thank her for, for giving me the motivation to go after college as hard as I did. So now I'm gosh, what 22, 23 years old and I have no life experience whatsoever. I have no idea what the heck I want to do with my life. And I, a family friend comes up to me and goes, hey, he's the CEO of a small bank. He, say, he said, why don't I, I hire you to be a mortgage loan officer um, and you do that. And I'm like, I got nothing going on with my life right now. Why not? I'll do that. Let's go. So he hires me. So I'm working at this, this bank uh, as a mortgage loan officer. And when I get into this new job, nobody wants to talk to me. Everybody's giving me the cold shoulder. And I'm sitting alone at lunch. I'm, I'm put back to where I felt when I was in middle school, junior high, where I had no friends. And I quickly realized what the issue was. They knew that I got the job because who of who I knew. It wasn't because of my talents. It was because who I knew. So I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna really going to have to step this up. I'm going to have to really prove my worth. So I really dug in. I had a good attitude. I never complained about the workload. And from afar, I was observing what the top loan officers did in the company because they didn't want to talk to me. So I had to observe them from afar. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember my first day of wanting to go out in the field and get loans for the first time. And I remember my uh, family friend says, uh, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to go out and get loans. And he has a concerned look on his face. No, 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 no. You are not ready yet to go out and get loans. Let's get you some more training and we'll get you get you to where you need to be. And then we'll get you out in the field. 
I'm like, no, 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 no. I got this. Let me go. So he's like, all right, go. So I went out and I'm falling flat on my face. I was not ready. He was absolutely right. I needed more training. And these, these clients, I, I had no idea what I was doing. These clients were abusing me. I was, I was lost. But months would go by. And slowly but surely, I, I found out what value I could add to these clients. And once I started to learn the value, I started bringing loans, more loans, more loans, more loans, more loans. And two years later, I became a top producer in the company. And a lot of the people that didn't want to talk to me when I first got there are now coming to me for questions on how I was able to turn things around so quickly. And for the longest time, I really, really, really enjoyed the mortgage industry. Then 2008, 2009 hit and the economy just tanked. So I would get a job in the mortgage industry and the whole company would go belly up and I'd have to get another job and that company would go belly up. So I was really losing the luster of being in the mortgage industry altogether. Then I remember one of my last places I was at, um, they brought in this motivational speaker to kind of motivate us to increase our sales numbers, to get us going, to get us motivated. And the guy blew me away. The guy was tremendous. So after the presentation, I made a point to go up and talk to him to tell him how great of a job he did. And he was so gracious. He allowed me to pick his brain a little bit. And he said he started as a life coach. And I'm like, what the heck is a life coach? He explained it to me what it, what it was. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's what I want to do. Maybe I want to be a life coach. So in between of being in the mortgage industry, I was getting my coaching certificate. And I was starting to tell people that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to start getting into life coaching. And people were kind of you and me like, okay, bud, whatever, dude. Just go, go out and get loans, you life coach. Go, whatever, dude. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And um, I remember things started to get real serious because I started getting my, uh, my website up and I was going to start to do it on the side. And I remember uh, the legal team coming up to me and going, what, what's, what's this, what is this life coaching thing that you're doing? I go, well, I explained it to them. I was going to do this on the side and this and that. And they're like, you know what? This could be a conflict of interest. Let me get back to you. I'm thinking, oh, that doesn't sound good. And they came back to me with a five page report of what I couldn't, couldn't say in coaching. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get any traction in, in coaching if I have to follow this to the T. So I'm going to have to make some changes. So I spent a year paying down all my debts, changing my spending habits, doing all the things that I needed to do to set myself up. And I remember that when after I felt like I had everything going, I quit my job in the mortgage industry. And people were like, what in the heck are you doing, dude? I go, I'm going to go for this. I told you I'm going to be a coach. And they're like, this life coaching thing is pie in the sky. You're a mortgage loan officer. You just made President's Club. There's no way, there's no reason why you should be leaving the industry. I'm like, no, no, I really, really want to do this. And they're like, okay, well, you're going to come back because there's no, this is nonsense. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. We'll give it a try. And for a long, for the long time, I thought I was going to have to get back into the mortgage industry because nobody wanted to use me. Nobody trusted me. I was not getting any traction in coaching. I started to think about things. I thought, that, how do I expect people to be vulnerable with me if I'm not vulnerable with them? See, the story that I told you about having cerebral palsy, I wanted to bury that story. I didn't want to tell anybody that story because all through oh, yeah. growing up, all I want to do was fit in. I didn't want any special treatment. I just want to be treated like any other kid. 
Um, so I didn't really want to talk about having cerebral palsy, but I thought to myself, the only way I'm going to get any traction in this, in this coaching world is if I be vulnerable so they can see where I'm coming from, why I am a coach, why did I want to do it? And once I started opening up about my story about having cerebral palsy, things started to open up for me. Uh, I remember my first client coming to me and goes, Hey, Paul, I don't have cerebral palsy, but I have this. And I think that you could help me. And things slowly but surely built from there. And it brings me up to uh, today where I'm talking with you. Yeah, wow. That was a, quite an introduction. You uh, batted out of the stadium, shall we say, yeah. <laughs> again <laughs> for yeah, the thank fourth you. time. Yeah. So um, I think uh, just you talking is, a, I think, life coaching in itself. You don't need, uh, you don't need to have uh, methods and a practice. You just need to uh, stand on a soapbox in the middle of the square and just shout your uh, story. <laughs> and everybody will <laughs> flock around like a group of pigeons to uh, breadcrumbs. <laughs> but um, so... Can you tell me? Let's let's go back a bit. I want yeah. to yeah. I want to do the investigatory work, uh, the detectives. I will uh, wear my detective hat and I will try to question you um, okay. more, because I'm interested in actually actually going uh, to put myself in your shoes and to see if I can uh, relate. So can you tell me about how did your mom actually, I'm going to the start of the, the, uh, the starting point. Yeah. How did your mom uh, take it that she was told that you had this horrible disease? Yeah. You, you know, it's crazy because I've had a conversation uh, numerous times with my mom about that. And, um, she said that when she was growing up, um, she was kind of, you know, not, I don't want to say meek or mild, but she, you know, she really didn't have very much confidence in herself. And then when I was born, she says I, she had this different feeling. She had this different confidence about herself that she can't explain. But she had when I was born, she she had this new wave of life. And uh, when she got the news about me having uh, cerebral palsy and that I would never be able to walk. She thought to herself, no, no, that that's not the end of my boy's story. That this is just the beginning. Yeah. This is not, this is not going to define him. He is going to be able to walk and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make sure that he walks. So she had that mantra going forward. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes. So this kid walks. And that's why um, uh, I was put into intense physical. If I didn't do this physical therapy five, six days a week when I was young, there was no way I'd be able to walk. But my mom made sure that, that that was her first priority, was making sure that I was at physical therapy, doing the things that I needed to do, moving my muscles, doing the things that I needed to do so that I, so that I had the opportunity to walk. So it was just something ingrained in her when I was born that gave her the confidence to go after it. So I, I don't know, she can't really explain it, but there was something that came over her yes. that changed her to, to really help me in what I need to do. And, and, and I can't to this day, I can't thank her enough for what she did for me. 
Um, because if, if she, if she was different, I, I would be in a wheelchair right now. No question about it. So, um, there's no words to describe how I feel about mom, my mom and what she did for me, um, in my, my, my yeah, early that's, life. That's amazing. That is, that is amazing. I think, uh, reality is, uh, amazes us in many ways, but this is, yeah. When you see people who can muster up those kinds of powers, you say, um, I'm just a whiny little bee, shall we say. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I don't want to curse, but uh, everybody knows what that stands for. Um, so I want to go on with my investigation uh, and uh, to ask you, uh, what were the areas that you have the most difficulty in, uh, in learning, shall we say, in school? You know, um, and so uh, with my brain, I, I don't think there's too much wrong with it as far as uh, cognitively, as far as learning and such. Um, I think the uh, what was the, the real issue about me not doing well in school was a limited belief in myself. Um, I had a principal tell me that that I was not very smart. So I just acted on that. Well, I'm not smart, so we'll, don't give it a go. But that wasn't the case, obviously, because of what I did in, in college. I, I had the capabilities all along. I just didn't have the belief in myself until uh, later on in, in my uh, educational career. Um, but as far as physically is concerned, uh, my motor skills on my right side are, are, are much slower uh, than on my left side. Um, so it's a little bit harder for me to like type um and do you know things on my right side that it is on my left so uh, you know as a younger kid especially in sports and and anything physical you could see that i was different than the other kids because of the way i held my hold my right arm and because i i limp on the right side a little bit so there's definitely things that would show that hey you know this kid's a little bit different um and it was harder for me as a kid going through that because you really stand out and when you're a kid you know you you have lunch and break where you're all you're doing is constantly doing physical things playing tag playing sports or whatever so you're so it's constantly shown that that i have a limp and i'm holding my right arm differently so um you know i'm standing out and and you just don't want to stand out as a kid you you want to just blend in you don't want you know you don't want to stand out and have a, a target on your back and kids making fun of you. Um, so that was, the, that was the tough part, um, you know, growing up dealing with yeah. that. So how did you try to, because a lot of people in different ages try, sorry, uh, different uh, self-medications, shall we say, different uh, practices, different hobbies, different things to do to make them forget the horridness of the daily life, shall we say. So how did you want to try to get away? I, I wrote, uh, wrote stories and uh, made uh, comic strips, but how did you try to do that? Well, uh, thank goodness for a great upbringing with my mom. I, I didn't go the drug route because I could have easily went that way, right? Just takes drugs and, and kind of changed my reality. 
Um, and that, that obviously is not a good thing, especially, you know, as a kid, when you do drugs as a kid, it just leads to more and more problems. So because of my good upbringing with my mom, I, I didn't go that down that route. Um, I wanted to go more of a positive route and, and, and do things that were going to be more positive for me. And that's w- what came over me with the baseball. I, I, I enjoyed watching baseball as a kid. Um, my, my dad it would take me to games and, and explain to me about the rules of the game. And I really, really fell in love with it. And I thought that would be my goal. That would be what I wanted to do. <clears throat> and, you know, when I was a kid playing baseball, I was pretty good. Um, not nothing, nothing great. Um, but to say that I wanted to be a varsity baseball player, I mean, the, the kids at that time would be like, this kid's, this kid's, you know, whatever. He's far yeah. down on the bench. There's no way this, this kid's going to make a varsity high school baseball team. This is ridiculous. And, um, I was kind of, uh, scared to even tell people that was my goal. Um, but I was able to open up to coaches about it, what, what I wanted to do. And they saw how hard I was was going after it. So with their tutelage and their and the extra practices that I would do with these coaches um, was the big time reason why I was able to to become a, high, a varsity high school baseball player because of because of the extra work I was putting in. And it wasn't just me. There was other kids there that that you know wanted the extra work as well. And and um, because of that, they, I started building a bond with them. And, and probably before that, you know, these were kids that were making fun of me, but because they saw the difference in me and how bad I wanted it, it changed their perspective in me. And it, it, it just, it just was a great, great, great thing. Yeah. So now you're a life coach. Um, we are going to try to wrap our minds on what that means actually to be a life coach and to pursue a career because there are a lot of different avenues of people's lives that, that need to be improved and need to be helped. And it is very um, difficult to uh, really say what the life coach means because uh, presumably everybody is their own coach or trying to have their own individuality to be the author of their own story. So how do you... Uh, Uh, nonetheless, how do you do this with a with a client, with someone who needs help in different specific areas? How do you prescribe uh, a routine or a, or a practice that will break their habits, shall we say, or their bad habits? Well, this this is my this is my mantra with my clients. I help people rewrite their stories and take control of their lives. take back the pen and write the story they want for their lives, not for anybody else, but for themselves, write the life story they want deep down for themselves. And that, and that's where we go. And what I do with my life coaching is I, I, I start with the mindset. That's where I go. The mindset, because if you don't have a strong mindset, everything else is much, 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 much harder. When I'm in a good happy mood, I'm very, very productive and I want to do good things. When I'm sad and when I'm angry, I'm not very productive at all. So the first thing that we need to do is we got to work on our self-love. What do we feel about ourselves? And really think, really write down, I, I have my clients do this, write down your thoughts, take a day and write down your thoughts. 
And you'll be surprised on how negative people are to themselves. There's some things that people, I remember a client saying this to me uh, and it stuck with me. She goes, these things that I'm saying to myself, I would never say to my worst enemy, but I'm saying it to myself. And I'm like, and I, and I said that first and I go, that's not okay. You, you should not say these things to yourself because they're thoughts. They're not reality. It's just thoughts in your brain. So it's all about awareness. It's all about aware, being aware of what we're saying to ourselves in our inner dialogue. And once we start to be aware of this, then we can start to change that thought pattern. Like, for instance, you could look in the mirror and go, oh, you know what? I'm heavy. I don't, I don't look good. I'm heavy. And then the second thought you could say is, you know what? I'm going to change this. I'm going to, I'm going to change, I'm going to change my diet. And after work today, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to say to myself, how good am I going to feel after I go for that walk? And how good am I going to feel when I, I change my diet, when I eat a little bit healthier, you know, it's all about changing the way we feel about ourselves. And a, a practice that I have my clients do as well is when you wake up in the morning, before you start your morning routine, whatever the heck that is for you, Take a few minutes to think about what's going well in your life right now, what you are grateful for, and focus in on that. And it could be, you know, you could have had a crummy, crummy day the day before, and it could be you're thankful that you're alive and you get to keep moving forward. And that's fine. What happens is you start triggering your mind to look for more positive things to happen in your day. Um, because you can go the opposite way, right? You could be driving to work. And you could get a flat tire and you could say to yourself, I would get a flat tire. Bad things happen to me. This would happen to me. I would get a flat tire. And I would say to that person, yeah, bad things do happen to you because you're looking for those bad things. How often when you buy a car and you start driving that car around, all of a sudden you see that car all over the place. You didn't see it before, but now you do because you just bought this new car. It's the same thing with a positive negative mindset. If you're, if you're looking for the positive, you'll see positive. If you're looking for the negative, you'll see negative. So we got to break that pattern of the negative. We got to be looking for the positive and good things will happen. Yeah. Thank you so much. I got a deep sigh of relief uh, talking to you because your story is a breath of fresh air and then inspiration, motivation for anyone who is suffering or is being told they will be in a state that is similar or is uh, cerebral palsy. I think uh, if someone is uh, listening and maybe being informed by their doctor that they won't be able to walk again and they see you, I think it is a great inspiration. And for a lot of other people. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much, that. Paul. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Me. No problem. And then if anybody wants to, uh, uh, Talk with me. I have a Facebook group called Rewrite Your Story, and it allows people to come in from all over the world and tell their story with no judgment, only support. We have uh, meetup groups once a, uh, once a month. It's just a great community of people that we just we want to support each other. So Rewrite Your Story Facebook group. Anybody is welcome. Thank you so much, Paul. I hope we can talk further in the future about other things. A positive or negative alike. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you for the opportunity to tell my story and 
I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. And thank Bye -bye. you for watching. Bye-bye.